This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Warren Tuttle, welcome to the show. Hey, it's great to be here, Mark. Thank you. I'm glad you're here because I've never had a guest on the show that's going to talk about what you're going to talk about today. So I'm utterly fascinating because I don't know anything about this topic, and I'm really excited about it. Before we get started, take about 30 seconds or so. Tell us who you are and what you do in the world. Well, uh, as you announced, my name is Warren Tuttle. I, I help inventors get their products to market in a variety of ways. Uh, it would take me quite a long time to tell you how I got here, but basically I run open innovation programs for several large companies, which means I look out for new products outside their walls and I help set up licensing deals. And then for many years, I've been the president of the United Inventors Association, which is a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to inventor education. So I'm in that space and I try to be helpful to people. Now, have you ever seen Shark Tank? Oh, yeah. So Mr. Wonderful loves licensing deals, so you'd probably be a good friend of his. Well, I, I am not a personal friend of his. I do watch the show from time to time. To be honest with you, it's, it's a bit of a busman's holiday. I do it all day long and weekends, too, so <laughs> I really don't care to spend my evenings that way. But I have a lot of friends who've been on the show. Uh, it's been a great show to get, gain attention for inventors and, and innovation. Uh, I get a kick out of some of the questions that are asked, but that's pretty much what I go through more of on the ground level of actually helping companies put real deals together. It's interesting because I, whenever uh, there's a, I guess a contestant, I guess you could say. And, and I know that when Mr. Wonderful, Kevin O'Leary starts talking, oh, no, he's going to go for a licensing deal or that or the royalty. One of those two, he always goes for, and uh, he's, he's quite known for that. So an inventor. So, you know, we need inventors. We we need inventors because every product has always been been created, has been invented by someone, whether it's the iPhone or the iPad or a pen or, you know, I have a Contigo water mug here. Everything's been invented. But I think that most people don't stop and think about that. We go to the store or we go to Amazon like, oh, this is a really cool product and we buy it. But we don't realize that that started with an idea in someone's head. And before that, someone go, you know what? There's a there's something missing in the marketplace. I wonder if I can create that. So what I want you to talk about in the beginning is talk to us about the inventor mindset, because obviously we all think, oh, man, it'd be great if we this product existed, but it stops there. Inventors actually take the idea and run with it, right? A hundred percent. And when you say everything's been invented, you're absolutely right. The question just is, it was it invented by a big company, you know, with a development team or was it invented by an individual? And I, I work with individuals. That's my side. And by the way, just a historic note, you know, the patent system was established in the United States in 1792 wow. when the country was founded. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, the second building after the White House built was the U.S. Patent Office. Really? And some, someone told me the other day when in the War of 1812, they burned down the White House. They convinced the British not to burn down the patent office. They thought that would be entirely unfair you know, to, to individuals. So the patent office has been there for years to protect individuals' uh, patent rights and license, which helps them to license or, or get products on the market. But let's just talk, you know, about, about individual inventors. I think that's where your question was headed. Uh, yeah, it all starts with an idea. And uh, then the question is, how do you convert that idea into something eventually sa saleable? Uh, it's a long process. I talk about it a lot in my book, Inventor Confidential, The Honest Guide to Profitable Inventing. And uh Ideas in and of themselves, I mean, uh, I would say that inventors and that profile have more ideas and their brains are more active, but everybody has ideas and ideas in and of themselves don't, don't cut it. What you need to do is you need to then take that idea, you know, build something out that actually functions. You then need to patent it and then you need to go through the process of either licensing it to a large company or if you have enough resources, taking it to market on your own. 
I'm still buzzing about the patent office was the second building built in our country. That does, I mean, come on, listener. Did you know that? Because I did well, not know that. Not only that, but Thomas Jefferson was the first director of the patent office. Wow. And, and the third, third patent that was ever issued was to George Washington. And it was for a grist mill that he used to uh, start his whiskey company, which ended up making him incredibly rich. So uh, it was at Mount Vernon. You could go to his his farm in Mount Vernon, just outside of Washington D.C., and see the grist mill. But it was the third patent uh, uh, ever ever written. Now, now, the, now, listener. Next time you go to a party, because eventually you start going to parties again, you can amaze your friends and say, "Do you know what the second building built in America is?" You will amaze your friends, and you can thank Warren Tuttle for that bit of information. Um, so, Warren, what is what are some of the tough things other than taking the idea and converting the product? What are some of the things that when people have a great idea and they're like, "Okay, this product, I, I want to get this to market. I think it can serve everyone." What are some of the things that people maybe make mistakes with or they they I, I, let's just uh, answer that question. What are some mistakes people make? Well, the first mistake is they don't work hard enough and they don't realize, you know, what's involved. And so that's what I try to talk about in the book. There are a lot of books out there uh, written by marketers and people that make it look simple and easy. There's a lot of people that want to take money from inventors to help them. But at the, at the end of the day, you need you need a real ethic inside yourself to make it happen. Again, we just talked about ideas and getting them. But but you really need to go. I'm an old school guy. You need to go one step at a time. It's like if you're a music, musician, you know, you learn have to learn how to play the guitar. You have to actually sit down and write the music. You got to do the notes, and you have to do same with a book. Same with anything that we're doing. I'm sure you're creative. Uh, you know, you had an idea about your show to begin with. You had to turn it into reality. That's a big deal. So so what I try to do is line out mechanically what people need to do. And uh, one of the first things you need to do is as you get the idea and you think it's great is sleep on it. I always say sleep, sleep on it. <laughs> Anything good, hopefully you wake up in the morning and you'll still be excited about it. If you're not, you know, move on to the next thing. Um, and then you need to really take that idea and vet it, you know, uh, start going out and seeing. You can do a lot of it, you know, right at your desk on the computer. Go on Amazon. Has it been done before? You'd be shocked, Mark, how many product submissions I get. I just go on Amazon. I said, I feel like I've seen that before. It's right there. Okay. <laughs> so they haven't done their homework. And then you really have to, you know, go out. And if you really have a unique solution, see the, see the patent system is a property rights system, really. What, what it does is it takes your thoughts and things in your brain and it gives property value to them. So anybody can, you know, own a house or a car or a boat and they have property and can point to it and they have a legal system that protects them. But when it comes to ideas, you need to put it down on paper. You have to put the mechanical, you know, disciplines that allowed you to make something unique. And then you have to apply and go through a five year patent, patent process at the, at the patent office to get approval before you're granted property rights. And then once you have those property rights, they become quite valuable. So in order to get the right property uh, rights, you know, and to do it right, you need to do it the proper way. And I sort of explain that at length in the book. Excellent. Now I've heard on Shark Tank, there's several different types of patents there, you know, could you could, could you briefly give us an overview of what the different patents are for? Yeah, absolutely. And patents, by the way, are a subset of what we call intellectual property. And just to give you an overview of that, and that's everything that the patent office does. It's not just patents, it's copyrights, it's trademarks, it's trade secrets, like, you know, the secret recipe to Coca-Cola. It's it's all types of, you know, other things that help creative artists and writers and everything. But when it comes to inventors, patents refer to utility patents, primarily utility patents and design patents are the primary patents. And utility patents are ones that actually have utility functions. So for instance, if you uh, developed a new lawnmower that could mow your lawn in half the time or something, there has to be some secret 
you know, mechanical device or implementation of something mechanical in there that allows that motor to run at twice the speed or do. And that's what you have to capture. You have to prove that nobody else has thought of it or done it before. And you have to mechanically lay it out, which is why you need to use a patent attorney who allows you to convert what's in your brain, you know, to a technical you know, uh, rendering and, 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 and actually, you know, it's funny because a lot of patent attorneys are actually engineers or have engineering background to okay. help accept uh, that the design patent is entirely different. It's design in nature. We mentioned Coke before the Coke bottle, the shape of the Coke bottle, you know, the old Coke bottle was a design patent that no one else could use that shape. For instance, a uh, product that I helped launch years ago, the Misto olive oil spray had a unique uh, metal container with a certain uh, logo on it that that design was captured design patents are easier to get they're they're not they're a little harder to defend they don't command as high royalties uh, but between the two some people do design and and utility patents to completely protect the product but that's the the technical background of patents now one of my favorite companies is apple and apple likes to be really secretive about the new products however they still have to submit patents and there's a lot of people out there who are addicted to apple I love Apple, but I'm not going to look at every design patent. So it's funny when you see these designs because they try to share just enough for the patent office, but not to get away to the competitors. And I got to believe that Apple's been doing it for so long. Google probably does the same thing. Microsoft, they do it just so you, you get a taste of what might be coming. But then just because they're filed a patent, this idea may not be coming for four or five years. Oh, for sure. For sure. And they have monstrous, you know, legal departments. I'm sure that when they file, they know exactly what they're doing. Uh, you know, Apple's one of the big five tech, tech companies that run America. If you're not familiar with that, the other ones, Google <laughs> and so forth, uh, they have a, a great effect on innovation in America and a great effect on the patent system. Uh, interestingly enough, just as a side note, you know, there are utility and design patents, but there's different usages for them. A lot of the big tech companies are obviously more tech oriented. They're also, you know, a lot more into app apps. You know, they're also into software. You know, I work a little bit more in the consumer products area. Uh, that's a little bit different. Um, you know, there's there's a wide variety of, of uh, shareholders in the patent system in America. And sometimes, and by the way, there's also medical and pharma, you know, so so we're not always in agreement, all of us. Uh, the, the big tech companies, you know, they're, they, they've, they're established, well-established. They have a lot of resources and money. Uh, they're, they're in some ways, you know, feel that they're being sued a lot. On, on patent infringement, and they want to sort of lessen the value of patents in, in essence. I mean, that's an overview. Uh, it's more complicated than that. But for small inventors and independent ind individuals, we want strong patents because we want to be protected. And by the way, I might add that Google and some of these companies were only started like 15 years ago, and they they use patents to get to get started. So uh, you know, Apple obviously has a huge patent portfolio. They're also into a lot of consumer products. Uh, they're probably a little bit more in line with inventors, uh, but everybody has different views and there's sort of a battle going on in America for what patents mean and the value of them and uh, what it means to older people who, who tend to, you know, know patents better and respect them more and young, younger people and downloading music and all these things. So it's an interesting battle of which I also describe in the book at least in layman's terms. Hey there, it's Mark, and I want to invite you to become a Mark Struchowski Insider and get the top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs absolutely free. It all happens over at mrproductivity.com. 
Now, one of the things I hear on Shark Tank a lot when the sharks will say, is, do you have a patent for this? And they say, well, we have patent pending. So is there a process you actually file, then it's pending, and then you're granted? Is that the way the, go- the system goes? Yeah, 100%. So um, the first step is to file what we call a provisional patent application, which is an acronym is PPA. And it only is a 12-month placeholder. The law was changed. The patent laws were significantly changed in 2012 so that America became no longer the first to invent, which used to be an inventor could have a notebook in his basement, you know, keep track of it. Uh, now you have to actually file for a patent. So the easiest, simplest, least expensive way to do that is with a PPA. It's pretty uh, general and generic. You can get your placeholder out there. By the way, uh, I meant to add this earlier. You have 18 months uh, before you have to disclose what that is. So you have the 12 months of your PPA application. And then after 12 months, you need to convert that to what we call a non-provisional application which is fairly expensive, and it gets you en route to four or five years to getting the actual patent issued. But you have six months, you have your original 12 months, plus an additional six months, totaling 18 months into the non-provisional patent filing, where you don't have to disclose what it is. So I'm sure those companies that you mentioned before also play that game. We all do, you know, you try to keep it out of the public eye as long as possible. But once it passes 18 months, everybody gets to see it. Now, here's the great thing. We are now no longer just America. We used to have our own patent system. Now we're tied very much into the whole world. Wow. So now what happens, you have that 18 months, a person in China or South America or Australia can see that patent and they're, they're now all in the game too. So, so inventing and innovation is much more global today than it ever was before. I'm glad you brought up the global because I'm, I'm fascinated. If you, if you file and are granted the patent in the United States, can someone in China or India or Malaysia or Japan, can they steal your patent because they're in a different country? Well, I guess it. Anyone could steal anything, but but yes, uh, to answer your question specifically, uh, you file in a specific country, okay? No matter where you file now, we're on an international system, so you have preference there, but you have a limited amount of time before you have to file in other countries. Ah, okay. So, for instance, if you just are interested in the United States and you file in the time period ends, you know, someone could copy your product in China and you have no no ability to stop it there. Now, what they can't do is make it there and ship it in the United States. You're still protected in the U.S., but you're not protected around the world. So they have now what they call a PCT. Uh, it's, I don't even know what PCT actually stands for, <laughs> but it's a worldwide patent filing. And a lot of people do that now. So whether you're in America or China or Europe, or you file a, a worldwide PCT. And then you have 18 months to come back and decide which countries you're going to follow up and actually pine down and file a specific utility patent in that particular country. The problem is, Mark, it's extremely expensive. So, so, and quite frankly, if you follow through and prosecute it to the end and get issued patents in all these countries, really all it gives you is the right is to go over there and legally fight for your patent. So usually it's big companies that, 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 pursue that. But but more and more, I've been seeing even people in America. I used to always see people around the world filing worldwide PCTs and eventually here in the US. But now you even see Americans filing PCTs and considering they keep their options open as long as they can. And that's part of the patent uh, you know, strategy that you, that you need to, to learn and go through. And we talk about it extensively in the book. I know I keep coming back to that, but you know, if people want to have questions about it, want to read more about the technicalities, it's worth getting up to speed and, and learning about before you make decisions. Now, there is a Asian phone manufacturer. I, I can't, is it Huawei? I think oh, oh uh, well, there's Hire. I know that is a huge company, but you could be right. Yeah, but what they do is they blatantly rip off Google and iPhones, and 
and they sell all over Asia, but they can't be sold. Uh, Europe will not allow them to be sold. The uh, England, America, Canada, because it's like, no, you, you blatantly copied, uh, you know, a, a major phone. And so I guess that's the problem. Like you said earlier, if you copy something that's copy uh, patented someplace else, those markets are not going to let you sell that phone in there because why would they, why would the United States allow this cheaper phone to come in, which is just an iPhone knockoff or a Google pixel knockoff knockoff. So they've got a problem. They're growing big in Asia because they apparently they don't have the copyright, you know, laws in force like we have here. But I know that that, that, that phone cannot be sold in, in major, the first, uh, a lot of them first world countries. Well, those poor tech companies, they, they, they don't mind ripping you off when they get ripped off. <laughs> it's a problem, right? But they have the resources. And, and, and if that company is getting away with selling in China, then they have probably deep pockets and big resources. And, you know, a lot of the companies there are tied into, you know, the government as well. So that's a big time fight. You know, it's, it's, it's a little inventor. I call us hobbits, you know, fighting against the big tech companies versus these big, Carrying the swords in it is a difficult fight. Of course, I always say we do have the ring, so we're the purists and all that. But we don't we don't have the resources to fight a lot of these things out. But but you know, look, everybody has self interest. I get that. You know, individuals have self interest, governments, companies, and so forth. Um, but but it's an interesting dilemma today where the self interest lies and who has the clout. Because quite frankly, the five big tech companies, yeah. if you combine them, are bigger than like every country in the world, other than maybe China and America. <laughs> Yeah, but my beloved Apple started in the garage. Microsoft started in the garage or something. God, like that. And, and that's my whole point, you know, and that's my whole point. We want the next Microsoft, the next Apple to start in your, in your, in someone's garage too. And, and, you know, and, and if they're not protected in the beginning and they can't raise funds and capital, they won't get there. So it's, it's been forever more in the patent system for the haves to try to, you know, change the system for the have nots not to. Uh, look, there's a fairness issue in this. But it goes right up to the courts and the Supreme Court these days. It's a fascinating battle. Let's face it. America is much more preoccupied with, you know, peace in the Middle East, you know, Black Lives Matter and social movements, you know, changing presidents and all these other issues. The last thing they're thinking about is innovation. But I that's what I try. I try to, you know, without offending anyone too much, try to tell the story and try to rationally, you know, you know, say what's at the end of the day, what's best for America if we want to stay the most innovative country on the planet? More patents were issued in China last year for the first time in America. Wow. And we've we've dropped since the AIA passed from the number one patent system in the world to the number 10 by most metrics. So it's slowly creeping away. And if we I'm going to give you a Rochester story here. If you want to see what life is like innovation wise in 30 years, when only big companies are innovated and, and, and individual People don't have access to the system or precluded. All you have to do is look at Kodak. Yep. They invented the digital camera. Yep. They literally invented it in their in their research and development lab, and then they shelved it because the the board thought that the you know it would harm their film margins. Oops. Now where did this get us? <laughs> so this is this is the whole point. I you have to look at innovation as an ecosystem and and. Outside of everybody's self-interest, what's going to keep it going down the road? And that's what I like to think and, and talk about and write about. Hey, I now have an affiliate program where you can earn up to 30% commission just for referring people to my paid program. To find out more, go to MrProductivity.com, scroll to the bottom of the page and click the link. Well, I'm going to ask you a question and then I'm going to give you a few minutes to think about it while I tell you what my answer is. I want to know what you think. Uh, I was going to say all time, but let's go back to last maybe 20 years. What are the top one to three inventions or innovations you have personally seen? So while you're mulling that over, I want to tell you, I love my iPhone. 
I mean, I cannot, I remember I, I was born in 1965, so I didn't have the big thing about senior year in 1982, 1983 was you got to go to computer lab. Now the kid's born and they're handed an iPhone and iPad. And I just love the fact that I can carry my entire office on my iPhone anywhere in the world and have connectivity. It's just utterly amazing. And then about three years ago, I bought my first Apple watch. And now I can actually track my sleep. I know how you know, my heart rate's going. I can do an EKG. I mean, I just think this technology is so awesome. And I don't think we've seen the end of it. I mean, I, I think this is, you know, technology is going so fast, innovating so fast. You know, Microsoft and Google and Apple and back and forth and back and forth. And you've got the other other inventors out there as well. But what would you say is your one to three um, inventions or innovations that you personally are like blown away, impressed with. Well, you, you got to put that this is what you said right at the top because not only that, you could take pictures and videos, and now we can uh, see people being mean to other people and all these things that you know, we never had proof of before. So it's really pretty remarkable. And I'm I'm exactly ten years ahead of you. I, I graduated from high school in '73, and we were just the advent of computers. Then I went to a school near Dartmouth. Uh, in New England, and uh, they were just doing a lot of uh, basic computer research. And by the way, the computer we had back then took up like a whole building. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> and I remember the first time we took like what I guess today we consider a laptop, but it was a mobile put your phone and a device back to one of my teacher's dorms. And we were like a hundred yards away from the main computer and it like, okay. So now, you know, and by the way, all the guys that were the smartest people were involved in that, you know, and, and they went on to, you know, take advantage of all that, you know, career wise and all that, which is wonderful. So that's pretty amazing. You can do it all. I'm going to switch gears because, you know, I honestly believe that the crowdfunding sites are, are just spectacular. I'm talking about Kickstarter, Indiegogo, GoFundMe. Uh, it's, 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 it's a little bit different type of invention that, that involves, you know, you know, a little bit more, you know, other types of IP. But to me, uh, when, when I was trying to start my business years ago, I had a very hard time accessing capital. And, uh, you know, you either had to already, you know, have assets that you could pledge, which if you're a young person, how do you, how do you have that? You know, unless, unless mom and dad gave it to you, you know, but if you didn't start on that side of the, the tracks, you know, how did you, how did you get started? Um, and uh, how, how do you, you know, you couldn't go to the bank, you couldn't do other things. So the, the, the way that people can access capital now by putting their products and their innovations in a variety of ways on these crowdfunding platforms uh, not only that, there's millions of people looking at, in, at them and they're getting started in the marketplace and they're raising funds and just some amazing stuff. You know, you talk about, uh, you know, that that started. I, I thought Fitbit launched in 2009 and it, it launched in that way through the crowd pl platforms and so forth. And it probably never would have gotten off the ground, you know, without that. <laughs> so so I, I, I absolutely love that. You know, uh, products that, that that I brought to market, you know, I've I've done a lot of products, but I still, my favorite still is, is the, my original product, Misto, which is an olive oil sprayer that, uh, you know, it has basically a metal out exterior, a, 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 a FDA approved, you know, food safe liner on the inside. You put your own oil in it and now you don't no longer have to use Pam, you know, Pam, ah. you know, it, 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 Pam is fine, except it's a low grade vegetable oil. Yep. I, I'll offend everybody by the end of the show and, <laughs> and, it, and, and it uses preservatives, you know, which is fine. And, you know, they're fine. They sell 100 cans a year, million, 100 million cans a year, but it uses a butane fuel. And uh, when you fire, it's not good to use around stoves or heat. So with Misto, uh, the patent is in the nozzle that allows you to spray something with as heavy viscosity as oil. 
and you can choose your own oil. It's reusable. You don't have to throw things in the landfill, so it's environmentally safe. Uses less fat, more filling, that type of thing. And it's still my favorite housewares products, and we've sold gazillions of these over the years. Wow. You know, it's, it's funny because when my wife and I got our iPhone 12s about a week ago, uh, we have 5G. And now I get, this is what kind of snob I am. I got really angry. I'm like, I'm only on LTE. Where's the 5G? And in our house, I think there's a problem with the Verizon cell tower near our house. So we don't get 5G at our house, but we drive two miles away, we get a 5G. And it's amazing. It's like, I remember when we had 2G, then 3G. Now I'm like, I don't have 5G. And I'm getting upset. It's like, this world's crazy. Anyway. Well, you know, by, by the way, aside, I was in uh, Palo Alto years ago and uh, I met the the gentleman who invented the G's, oh. uh, 2G, 3G, 4G. And he very understated. He went to Stanford. He had a PhD from Stanford. I had no idea who I was really talking to. And at some point, you know, he said he invented it. And then it, it turns out I flew coach back and he flew his own plane back to DC. A <laughs> lot to be said there. All right. Well, listen, we're going to switch over to uh, Mike Swap right now because you gave us so much to think about me. I am I was fascinated. I just want to tell you, you were an awesome guest and I really learned a lot from you. So thank you very much. I'll never look at Shark Tank again. The same way, because you you taught me a lot about patents. So we're going to do Mike Swap now. And if you're new to the show, welcome. Glad you're here. Uh, Mike Swap is all about where I let Warren be the temporary host of the Mark Stachowski podcast. He can ask me any question he wants other than my social security number and credit card number. Um, he can ask me about productivity, my favorite sports team, whatever he wants. This is just to keep me sharp, as Stephen Covey says. I'm paraphrasing there. But uh, so, Warren, one to two questions. You're the host of the show. Go right ahead. Hey, Mark, thank you. My, my interest is always in business. So I want to know how you, you started this podcast, what you did beforehand that got you excited about it, and how you've organically grown it out. Well, I have to go back to spring of 2017. I heard Gary Vaynerchuk, a super, super, super successful entrepreneur, said that the future is voice and audio, voice and audio. And he goes, you need, everyone needs to start their own podcast. Now, at the time, I was listening to podcasts, okay? I'm like, can I start a podcast? And I'm like, well, you know, I used to be a DJ back in their lifetime, you know, top 40 DJ and all that stuff. And so I went to Google, amazing engine says, how do I start my own podcast? And of course you get a quadrillion websites come up and I learned how to start it. So I bought a $90 microphone, plugged it in, and I learned how to do a podcast on July 7th, 2017. I started it and now I'm well over 760 episodes released. And I love it. And I, I love it so much. I was reading a book by Russell Brunson called um, Traffic Secrets. And he said, if you really want to blow up whatever you're working on in a good way, not a bad way, he goes, do it for a year, every day for a year. And so on January 1st of 2021, I decided, you know what? I'm going to release a new episode every single day in 2021. Now, I do five interviews a week. So that's basically you know, usually not a problem, but if a guest can't make an interview, they lost the internet, not feeling well, I just do a solo episode. So, so far I have not missed a day. Actually, my streak started on Christmas day, 2020, but I didn't have the intention wow. at the time. And so I love this whole platform. I, wow. I love, I got a, my own little radio station. That's all about me and my guests that people are, are listening to. And I remember the first episode I listened to, I mean, I, I released again on July 7th, 2017, I got like about 50 downloads and I'm like, I know I downloaded it. My wife downloaded it. My cousin downloaded it. Who are these other 47 people? I was blown away that people were listening to wow. me. I'm like, who am I? And now I have you know a lot more downloads than that. But I was just amazed that I can actually talk to people and I'm actually changing people's lives because I have great guests like you on the show. 
Well, I guess that qualifies as you you wake up the next morning, you're still feeling good about it if you do it for every day for a year, right? Oh, absolutely. Let me tell you, I have not had a guest on my show that was horrible. I've had a couple guests that didn't play by the rules, so their episode was never released. Uh, But I, I strive to provide quality content to every listener i i that's one one thing i learned early in the days of podcasting a little inside baseball for you listeners um you don't say listeners because nobody has a podcast listening party okay they'll have a a youtube watching party but no one gets together and huddles around iphone and listens to a podcast so i i someone told me very early always say listener because right now only one person's listening at the time they're not sharing headphones Okay, that's really weird because we we always say listeners, and I said it a couple times during the show, but it's always a listener. But I, I love the fact that I'm in someone's ear right now, and I'm help. You're helping someone. Yeah. Maybe someone's listening to this show, and they're like, "Man, I've got this great idea." Now you give me a little fodder, and then they're gonna go get your book, which you can tell them about in just a few minutes here. And and all of a sudden, now we get an inventor, and maybe they'll make a lot of money. I mean, who knows? The green doorbell guy was on yes. Shark Tank yeah. with an idea. And now he's like a trillionaire. I mean, he had an idea. He solved the problem. He did all the stuff you you talk about in your book. And all of a sudden, boom. So listen, if you have an idea, don't let it sit there and hope someone else comes up with it. You do the work. Sure. No, no. And then and a real quick follow up, because uh, uh, but mechanically, you, you had to then build out like a platform, right? So that you would get more listeners, right? Mm-hmm. And did that take a long time? And did you do that organically or did someone help you with that? No, I did it organically and I just became a student. Uh, even though I'm a productivity expert, I'm a student of productivity. I'm a student of podcasting. Even though I've been doing it for almost four years now, I'm a student. I'm always looking at the thought leaders, looking at people. Oh, they did this. I'm going to try this. And I'm always trying to make sure my constancy is fresh, make sure I'm having episodes and guests that are going to benefit the listener. So I, I don't ever, my biggest fear is always to ever become complacent complacent, whether in business or life, don't be complacent. Always have the mentality that you're a student because students are the ones that are successful. The people are like, I've arrived. I'm at my place. Well, now what are you going to do? So that's why I, that's how I run my business. And I run my life is to become a student. Well, there's a lot in common you have with inventors. You got something started and you stick with it. You study, you you stay with it and you learn. Yep. Here's a mind blowing fact for people. There are an estimated 1.6 million podcasts on Apple podcasts. 60% of them haven't been updated in 90 days. Now that tells you a lot of people jump into podcasting. They think, oh, I'm going to make a quadrillion dollars and they don't and they quit. People one of the things listeners don't like is when the podcast starts, they fall in love with the podcast and then the podcaster quits. That's really annoying because people are like, wait a minute, I really liked your podcast. So if you're going to go into it, I would say what Russell Brunson commits, you don't do an episode every day, but commit to doing it for a year, whether it's every week, every day, every other week, stay consistent, try it for a year. And then if you don't like it, then quit, but don't quit after a couple of weeks because you may have listeners that are really enjoying your podcast and now you took it away from them. So that's something to think about. So I appreciate the questions, Warren. The final question is, I'm really excited about this part because I know you got a new book out. And what's really cool, if you're listening to this on March 23rd, this is the day the book comes out. So how relevant is this? So tell us about your book and where we can find out, uh, go buy the book. It's so awesome. It's coming out today and it's been two years in the making and uh, it's a, a lot of work. Someone asked me the other day, what have you learned from writing a book? I said, it takes twice as long and <laughs> twice as hard as you thought. Um, but uh, it, it, it forces you to reconcile, you know, a life of uh, or part of my life of 
dedicated to this space, put things in order. It's a little different talking than putting it down on paper where it could be seen forevermore. Uh, I'm, I'm sort of a person who has to engage, which it sounds like you are too, to make things happen. I, I wrote the book with uh, uh, two, two by two foot by three foot post-it notes I put all over the living room and house. I had to stand in the middle and sort of visualize where it all fit, move them all around and so forth. But I'm, I'm happy that the book, um, it's, it's, it's very much first person singular. So it's a, a lot of hands-on lessons. Uh, it's very readable. Uh, I get very serious at times, uh, but at, uh, other times I try to poke fun at things. Uh, but I think if you read it from front to, to, to finish, you'll, uh, you'll get a, a pretty good feel of, Number one, where we are innovation-wise in America that might surprise you. And number two, if you're really an innovator and inventor and you want to take the next steps, you know, to, to hopefully giving you a little bit of a, a basis. Because just like you were saying before, Mark, about all of the millions of podcasts, there, there are a lot of inventors and very, very few of them succeed. Okay. Uh, and, and my, my, one of my big things in the book is there's also a lot of individuals, companies and entities that take advantage of these folks. By suddenly, like if you were starting a podcast with, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll sell you, you know, the information on how to start a podcast, you know, whether you're successful or not, you end up paying money. And that's sort of, uh, inventors are very, very easy to take money. A lot of them have engineering backgrounds or engineering brains, and they're not thinking about marketing, going to market, they get taken advantage of. So, so all these things between the, the big tech companies, the marketers, the, uh, uh, on the ground is what, what I try to, try to, and that's why I call it confidential. You know, it's the things that people don't tell you on the surface that you should know. And so sim- very similar. The reason I asked you your questions about your business is very, very similar to, to, to organically jumping into the invention world and, and having to learn it. You spent four years now. It takes years to learn this industry. So try to get a leg up. And that's why I wrote the book. And it's coming out today. It's, it was supposed to originally be, come out in the fall, but COVID pushed it back. And and now it's here. So I'm excited. I'm assuming Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, yeah. all those places. Okay, great. Right. Well, Warren, it's incredible having you on the show today. I learned a lot and uh, I really appreciate your time. Well, thanks so much, Mark. By the way, it's inventorconfidential.com if you forget entirely about it, uh, where to go. But uh, thanks so much, Mark. It was a real pleasure. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski Podcast. I really hope it served you well today. Now head on over to my website, mrproductivity.com. Sign up to be a free Mark Stuchowski Insider. Get my top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs. Absolutely free. It's my gift to you. And until tomorrow, my friend, go be productive.